This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Hello there. We're going to get started immediately with a special guest right off the top. He is the Speaker of the State House of Representatives, Tom Leonard. He's a Republican from DeWitt in Clinton County, just north of Lansing. He is also the Republican nominee for Attorney General in the November 6th general election. Very important guest, and a lot happened in Lansing this week. Speaker Tom Leonard, welcome. Hey, good morning, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is all ours. Let me just start by asking you, you put out some kind of a notice or press release uh, just a day or two ago about work stoppages on highway renovation construction projects in Michigan. What's going on? Well, you know, I've been, you know, I, I only know what I've been reading in the media. I haven't sat down with either side, and obviously you've got this, uh, you've got this right now between the contractors and the unions, and, uh, you know, there's a work stoppage. And I sent out a release yesterday just saying, guys, get your acts together, come to the table and get this done. And if they and if they can't get their acts together right now, then do it in January. I mean, this is Michigan. Um, you know, we have put hundreds of millions of dollars more into our roads and our crumbling infrastructure. As you may remember, a few months ago, uh, we passed a $175 million supplemental, and we moved it up a year so that they could get uh, repairing these roads this summer. And the construction season is very short. It's going to end here in the next six or seven weeks. So if they want to hash out some of these negotiations and some of these issues, they need to do it this winter, not in the middle of construction season. Um, Our citizens deserve better. We need to fix these roads. We need to get it done. So they need to come to the table and and, and hash this out soon. Let me ask you about two things that happened this week, Uh, two separate bills. Actually, I shouldn't say bills, initiative petitions that were brought before the legislature, one to hike the minimum wage over a period of time, the other uh, earn sick leave uh, mandate on businesses in Michigan. Um, The legislature had 40 days in which to respond to these two petitions, whether to enact them into law or to pass judgment or, or postpone judgment, I should say, on these proposals and let them go on the November 6th ballot. You chose to enact these. That's r- relatively rare. It has happened in the past. Can you explain uh, everything about these to our listeners? Because it's a very confusing thing. And you may, in fact, it seems to me, come back later and try to amend these proposals after they become law. Right. For, well, first, let me say this. I mean, certainly we would have that right that uh, there's not a plan in place right now to amend or change these, but the reason we adopted them this week, we wanted to make certain that the legislature could continue to have that conversation, and if we saw, uh, you know, we thought appropriate to do so, that we could, because uh, these two initiatives, in, in my opinion, Bill, were very, very, very poorly written. I mean, for instance, um, on the minimum wage increase, one of the things that it did is it excluded uh, the tip credit for restaurants, and I was the restaurant owners that said that if, if this if this situation or this issue is not fixed, I had one particular in my district that owns four restaurants. He told me, he said on January 1, he would have to shut two of them down. And this wasn't coming just from the owners. This was actually coming from uh, the waiters and waitresses themselves. We had two or 300 uh, came to the Capitol a couple days ago. They spoke to legislators. 
many of these individuals are making you know twenty, thirty, sometimes sometimes forty dollars an hour if they're they're at a high end restaurant, and they were worried that their wages were going to get hit. So they were strongly encouraging us to adopt these things so that we could continue to have a say going forward so that they could be amended uh, if we needed to do that. Uh, let me ask one question that I don't think anybody has uh, asked yet, and that is, if you amend these proposals, let's say in a lame duck session after the November 6th election, does the governor have to, at that point, sign any amendment to the two laws? Because it's not an initiative petition anymore. It's actually two laws and even though the governor's signature wasn't required on what you did this week, might not it be required going forward? Correct. And that is my understanding is that it would. That, uh, now that these have been adopted, uh, going forward, they will be treated like any other law. So if we were to amend those, uh, it would take a majority in the House. It would take a majority in the Senate. But you're right. It would also take a governor's signature uh, to adopt them. It didn't take his signature. So certainly... If we are going to propose or do amendments uh, going forward, uh, the governor will have to be part of this uh, discussion. He'll have to be part of this process because any changes would actually have to be signed into law uh, by him. A question about term limits. Uh, Relative to the number of seats up for election this year in uh, 46 different states around the country, Michigan, believe it or not, leads in retirements with 68 outgoing legislators, meaning that 46% of the state's legislative seats are guaranteed to newcomers. Uh, The nearest states to Michigan are Arizona with 37% and Ohio with 36%. Um, Does that, you know, really hit you where it hurts? Because you are in the final uh, term of your three-year term. You have to leave office at the end of this year. Uh, fortunately, you have another office that you're seeking to run for, and perhaps you'll be elected to that, and you can continue your public service. But how do you react to what I just said? Right. Well, first, let me say this. I mean, it has been an incredible honor and blessing to serve as Speaker of the House. But I can tell you this, uh, regardless of what my future beholds, um, on December 31st, um, I will, uh, let's say, as big a blessing as this has been, I, I will gladly pass that gavel off to my good friend Lee Chatfield. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you're right. With these term limits, um, you know, I'm a strong supporter of term limits, but I do believe they need to be changed. I do believe they need to be amended. And what I have seen in the legislature is what happens is, as you know, you can serve six years or three terms in the House. You can serve two four-year terms in the Senate. Well, what's happening is, particularly in the House, you've got a lot of House members that when that Senate seat opens, a lot of them are jumping to go to that Senate seat because they know that's the, the one and only opportunity they're going to have to run for it. And when I talk to a lot of the folks that run for these seats or I talk to senators that are sitting over there, a lot of them would have chosen to stay in the House if they could have. So what I think, if you could amend these things to essentially say, hey, a legislator, we're not going to expand the number of years you can serve. So we'll leave it at 14 or even if you wanted to lessen it to 12 years, but say, hey, you can serve those years however you want, whether it be 12 years in the House, 12 in the Senate, or a combination of the two. I think that gives you a very happy medium and would cut down on a lot of these, these folks jumping ship. Because what happens is you get these House members, they're only there two or four years, and, and then they begin to run for the Senate. I think a lot of these guys would actually stay there, they'd stay put, they'd get more experience uh, if you could amend these things. So like I said, I am a supporter of term limits, but certainly we need to, uh, we need to talk about amending those. Sounds like a good idea. Look, we're running out of time already, believe it or not, but look, 
I want to ask you, what is your platform running for attorney general? What are the issues you're going to be campaigning on in the next two months? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to be a rule of law attorney general. I mean, my opponent on the Democrat side, uh, as dangerous as this sounds, and it is dangerous, she has gone around the state saying that she herself will unilaterally choose which laws will and will not be upheld. Uh, That is not the role of the attorney general. So first and foremost, I will be a rule of law attorney general, but I want to stay focused on the things that matter to the people of this state. I want to stay focused as a former prosecutor on violent crime. I want to stay focused on human trafficking. I want to stay focused on elder abuse crimes, uh, putting together uh, an elder abuse unit uh, within the state as we had in Genesee County. I want to stay focused on mental health reform. Uh, These are big issues facing our citizens, and I believe, um, you know, first and foremost, our attorney general must be a rule of law attorney general. But after that, we need to stay focused on the issues that most affect our citizens, and that's ensuring that we keep them safe. Do you think you're going to have debates with the attorney general Democratic nominee, Daniel Nessel? We have had several requests come in. I know we're going through those right now. Um, I, I would, I would, I would. I would bet that, yes, there will be a debate or two that will be coming forward. Uh, nothing's been announced yet. Uh, we're trying to figure out which ones uh, would be best to give the citizens uh, the best access and uh, give them a true vision on, on who and, and, and how they would represent the office. But certainly I could see that happen. Well, look, uh, I can't believe how we've run out of time already and we just really got started. I'd love to have you on again. Hopefully we can make that work. But look, House Speaker... Tom Leonard, Republican of DeWitt, the Republican nominee for Attorney General, was our special guest here at the opening of The Political Insider. Thank you so much, Speaker Leonard. Thanks, my friend. Have a great day. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back, and we've got another special guest, and he's also a member of the State House of Representatives, just like our guest in the first segment, who was House Speaker Tom Leonard. He is, I guess you would say, senior to our incoming guest, who is State Representative Bo LaFave from the 108th District in the Upper Peninsula. That's Delta, Menominee, and Dickinson Counties. Uh, Bo Lefebvre was uh, elected uh, two years ago to his first term. He was only 23 when he won the primary. He was 24 um, uh, when he took office. He's 26 now. Uh, I got to tell you, Representative, uh, you're younger than I was. I was 27, and I was considered a young pup when I was elected to the State House uh, more than half a century ago, but you got me beat. Uh Representative Lefebvre um, is a graduate of Kingsford High School. He went to Brighting Township Schools. Before that, he got a BS degree from Michigan State University in International Relations. At one time, I think he started work on a law degree, but he's had to put that on hold while he served in the House. But Representative Lefebvre, welcome to the Political Insider. Mr. Ballinger, I really appreciate it. It's an honor and a privilege. Uh, We're going to have fun here. We're going to talk the rest of the program. I want to start by uh, alluding to something that Speaker Leonard said just five or ten minutes ago, and that was uh, he is very concerned about the stoppage in road repairs uh, that's occurring all over the state because of a dispute 
between uh, the contractors and uh, union workers on these projects around the state. Uh, and he says, look, uh, this is prime time to get this work done. The legislature pro- appropriated millions to make this happen. If you got a dispute, uh, put it on hold, get it resolved in January and winter when uh, we don't have to worry about working on the roads, but yeah. work now. And I'm just curious, uh, do you see repercussions of this in your district and in the UP? I do. Um, I, I appreciate the speaker's comments on this. You know, the fact of the matter is, uh, our cops aren't allowed to to strike. Our teachers aren't allowed to strike. If our if our military goes on strike, they go to prison. Um, we're, there's no reason to shut down road work right now. My biggest highway in the UP it cuts across, goes from Mackinac Bridge all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, one of the biggest bridges is in the middle of my biggest county, and it's shut down right now. Uh, to and it's it's a halt. It's grinded to a halt. It's been weeks. I don't think they've worked on that in six weeks except for one weekend. Well, that is really bad. I mean, uh, do you see any prospect for a breakthrough and get these guys back to work? I don't know. The particular labor dispute that they've got in my area is they needed extra extra hands on deck during a couple key portions of the project, and they can't get the wages agreed to on those extra workers. So, I mean, it sounds a bit minute. I'm sure it's not for the people that are working on it, but for the biggest city in my district, Escanaba, uh, we're talking about the Escanaba River here. So for the people that live in the community between Escanaba and Gladstone, um, arguing over six bucks an hour or whatever it is, is not worth it. They need to fix that bridge. You know, I'm kind of amazed uh, when we listen to the battle cry of the Democratic nominee, her governor, who was Gretchen Whitmer, it's fix the damn roads. Isn't that her battle cry? You it would, is. Mine you, fix the damn car insurance. <laughs> well, yeah, but fix the damn roads. You'd think you'd be hearing something from her or from, you know, the Democrats about this. I mean, I, I mean, this is like crickets. There's no complaints. I don't hear people talking about this, even though I think it's a pretty big deal. I think it's a pretty big deal, too. But that's the problem with the Democrat Party right now is they're all about resistance, not about actual results. So if she wanted to fix the roads, she'd ask her friends in labor to help her out. But okay, Let me ask you uh, this. Um, and I just asked Speaker Leonard about this, too, and he had pretty good thoughts about it. Um, believe it or not, there are over 6,000 state legislative seats in 46 different states that are holding elections this year on November 6th. And of those... 1,190, now that's nearly one-fifth, are guaranteed to go to a newcomer since the incumbent state legislator did not file for re-election. Now, that's the most in six years, since 2012. And by the way, get this, relative to the number of seats up for election, Michigan leads in retirements with 68 outgoing legislators, that's House and Senate combined, meaning that 46% of the state's legislative seats are guaranteed to newcomers. Uh, The nearest to Michigan is Arizona, 37% are going to be newcomers, and Ohio, it's 36%. Uh, This is mainly because these three states, Michigan and Arizona and Ohio, are term limit states, where, as you know, uh, you can only serve three two-year terms. You're ending your first term. 
Um, and I know you've had to put career plans on hold. You were working on a, a Juris Doctor degree, and you had to stop doing that uh, to serve in the legislature. But what is your thought about term limits? How did you feel about term limits going into office? And has your thinking changed now that you're in the legislature? You know, I don't think I, I could be honest with you if I said I was against term limits before I got into office. I thought uh, before I got in, that sounds like a great idea. You know, we got to kick the bums out. Uh, now I know the bums, and uh, I kind of <laughs> like them. I know a lot of us are working as hard as we can. Uh, I think term limits are a good thing. I'd like to put them onto Washington, but uh, as any of the, any of your listeners that come back every week like I do would know, Michigan has the strictest in the nation, and uh, I'm restricted to six in the House, eight in the Senate. Um, 14 years is a long time to be in the legislature. Uh, I would be very supportive of a bill, of an amendment to the Constitution that allows me to serve. All of those in the House or in the Senate uh, not an increase in the number of years, but just a little bit more flexibility because I've got three full counties I'm responsible for right now. Uh, if I want to move up to the state Senate, uh, I'd have to take over 12 counties. Um, I can do it, but I love my three counties. I'd be happy to stay in the House for a couple extra terms. Yeah, that's pretty much what Speaker Leonard said. He said, put some flexibility into term limits. Let you know, the entire tenure be served in one chamber or the other, if that's what the legislator wants to do or can get people to elect him to. But don't compel them to leave after three two-year terms in the House, and very often they can't uh, get a seat in the Senate, and then they never come back. So there's... Well, you've got good people like Tom Barrett, who's on four years in the House, and he would have won his seat for another term. But after that, he'd have to wait six years to get it back. So, you know, he had to run for the Senate. And I really hope he wins. He's one of the best legislators we've got. I wish we could have hang on to him in the House. Uh, but he's going to make a fantastic senator. Uh, senator Tom Barrett, he's an honor to work with him. So. Well, let me ask, uh, do you think there's any prospect of the legislature uh, get bipartisan support, two-thirds majority in each chamber, House and Senate, to get this on the ballot without relying on a petition drive to do it? I don't know. Um, you know, when you've got the strictest term limits in the nation, you watch your political back a little bit more than you might if you had a, a couple extra terms. So I don't know, but I'd be happy to introduce the bill like my predecessor did. Okay, we're going to take a short break here, but we'll be back with... Representative Bola Fave of the 108th House District in the Upper Peninsula. You're listening to the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with Representative Bo Lafave of the 108th State House of Representatives District in the Upper Peninsula. His district includes Delta County and Menominee County and Dickinson County, three whole counties, not any partial counties. Got a nice, neat three-county set up there with some prominent uh, cities that everybody's heard of, Iron Mountain, Kingsford, Menominee, Escanaba, um, Bola Fave, uh, I want to ask you this past week, uh, the state house and the state Senate as well, uh, chose to took 
take action on a couple of initiative petitions that were submitted to you uh, by petitioners who had collected signatures over many months, one to raise the minimum wage, the other one mandating earned sick leave on businesses in Michigan. And uh, the House and Senate uh, chose to enact those proposals, meaning uh, basically vote them into law. It does not require, by the way, the governor's signature. Uh, and that precludes the possibility that they would go on the ballot on November 6th in the general election, um, which also means that the legislature could come back later this year, or for that matter, it could happen next year. Uh, and amend what would now be two public acts that would not be uh, initiative proposals anymore. They would be public acts uh, by a simple majority in each chamber. Whereas if the proposals were allowed to go on the ballot November 6th uh, and the voters approve both proposals, they could be amended only with a three quarters majority which is a very high hurdle to achieve uh, for legislators, uh, particularly when you've got uh, major parties divided in each chamber. So I just wanted to ask Representative Lefebvre, uh, how did you vote on these proposals and what's your thinking going forward? Yeah, I voted yes on both of these, not because I think they're necessarily good public policy, but because I wanted to retain my... Uh, authority to do what I was elected to do by 90,000 constituents, and that's vote on law. So I voted to an act, frankly, I think a misguided attempt of walking around the governor and the legislature by out-of-state millionaires who want to interfere in states that they've never even visited before. Um, my peninsula is going to struggle to pay servers $12 an hour. I mean, businesses are going to go out of business. Uh, tip employees right now get about 352 plus tips. The average tipped employees get about 18 bucks an hour as a server. Now they're going to get their wage cut to 12. You're going to see the cost of a hamburger increase. Uh, it's going to be a real problem, especially in my area. So uh, I think we need to amend it, make sure we uh, save our tipped industry, and maybe give it a little bit more time before the $12 gets into effect. Yeah, when it comes to tip workers, um, I would imagine um, if you come back after the election and decide, look, we want to make it better for tip workers because the tip workers are not happy about this language in the minimum wage uh, statute, um, that you'd get a lot of Democratic support. I, and yet the Democrats have been howling in outrage all week that, uh, this is wrong for the Republican majority in the House and Senate to enact these. They should be allowed to go on the ballot. Although you had a heck of a lot of House Democrats vote in favor of enacting these particular uh, initiatives. So what's going on there? Well, you know, in, in Lansing, every two years, uh, it starts to get to be funny season where uh, a lot of people are looking at their back and thinking about election, wanting to come back for their last four years in the House or two years left. And uh, I think a lot of those yes votes were people that didn't want to go back home and explain 
to their Democrat base why they didn't vote for a paid sick leave and $12 an hour minimum wage. So I think it was politicking. I think the no's wanted to cry and say that the Republicans are evil and doing things that are not allowed. And, you know, frankly, it is allowed. Uh, The Constitution doesn't say that I can't amend a public act. That would be ludicrous. I amend public acts every day I'm in Lampton. Let me ask you about a completely different issue that just came up and it had nothing to do with the legislature this week, but uh, it could have a big impact on the vote on November 6th, the general election. And that is straight ticket voting. Now, straight ticket voting has been the law in Michigan for like 130 years. Uh, We're one of a relatively small handful of states that allow it. There are only about 15 states that do. Most states have banned uh, straight ticket voting, uh, having a law basically saying if you're going to go vote, you got to go office by office down the ballot and make a choice uh, for the candidate of your choice, regardless of party, one office at a time. You can't just fill in one circle or pull one lever uh, for all the candidates in one party in one fell swoop. That's what most states do, but not Michigan. Michigan says uh, you can vote straight ticket, and Democrats have had a battle cry for years here in Michigan, make it emphatic, vote straight Democratic. Uh, You heard that going back to the days of G-Men and Soapy Williams when he was governor in the 1950s. Uh, Republicans have always believed it does give the Democrats an advantage, and uh, a couple of years ago, the Republicans banned straight ticket voting with a public act, but the Democrats appealed the ruling in court and a federal judge ruled the Democrats were right. And he said, uh, it's unconstitutional for Michigan to ban uh, straight ticket voting. And that's the way matters stood until believe it or not, just day before yesterday, when all of a sudden the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in the federal judiciary to which the Republicans had appealed the lower federal court judge's decision ruled the Republicans are right. Uh, By a two-to-one margin, it was a three-judge panel, they said the state has every right to uh, ban state straight-ticket voting if it wants to. And so... It looks like right now there is not going to be any straight ticket voting in November for the first time in 130 years. But guess what? One of the ballot proposals that will be on the ballot November 6th called Promote the Vote has a clause in it mandating that straight ticket voting be allowed in Michigan. So uh, this could be a one-off election very easily. Uh, we could have a ban on straight ticket voting November 6th and then beginning again in 2020, a recontinuation of uh, straight ticket voting that started way back in the 1890s until this year. So what's your reaction to that, Representative Lefebvre? I don't think it's going to be a one-off. I think that we're going to have this ban on straight ticket voting going forward. Um Leave it to a liberal activist judge somewhere in the country to rule that it's unconstitutional to do what 35 other states are doing. 
um, and not having a problem with it. You know, I understand that the Democrats have had a poor job at winning elections, but, um, you know, these kind of partisan nonsense uh, political activist judges aren't going to help them do it. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is I don't vote straight Republican. I don't think it's the right way to vote. And the fact of the matter is uh, I voted for Democrats in the last election. I had a candidate for sheriff who is a, supposedly a Republican, wanted to do an AR-15 ban, and my Democrat sheriff candidate didn't. He loves his guns, and he wanted us to be able to keep them. So I think it's important to go down every single race. A lot of Republicans out there that aren't Republicans, and a lot of Democrats that aren't Re- Democrats either. So I think it's good public policy to vote on every single name. Okay, that was Representative Bola Fave of the 108th House District in the Upper Peninsula. We're going to take another short break here, and we'll be back with our final segment with Representative Bola Fave. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We have returned with our special guest, Representative Bola Fave in the UP, the Escanaba, Kingsford, Menominee area up there. Uh, Representative Lafave, I know you've been quite passionate about uh, reforming our auto insurance system here in Michigan. And from what I understand, you think it's a big issue in the UP. We hear about Detroit all the time and how terrible the rates are down there. But you say it's a big problem in the UP, too. Yeah, it absolutely should be a big problem in Detroit. It's something like 5000 or $6,000 a person to be able to get car insurance. Here in the Upper Peninsula, it's 1500 a vehicle. Uh, but right three miles from where I'm standing right now is a beautiful place called Wisconsin. And it's $480 a vehicle. So we need to save money. We see what it's like on the other side of the fence where the grass is greener on some issues. And we've got to get reform here. Uh, well, how do you think that ought to be done? Because there have been so many attempts over the last 40, 45 years to change this system. And by the way, you know, explain a little bit to our listeners. We've got a unique system here with uh, uncapped uh, relief to somebody who is injured in an auto accident, catastrophic injury, uh, and really, that is what has really driven these rates through the roof here in Michigan. Yeah, basically what we have is Obamacare, but for our car. Um, it's mandatory insurance that is unlimited lifetime, no cap benefit. And if you don't want that, don't drive a car. Uh, basically what it says in Michigan, uh, my grandmother has two health insurance, health, uh, lifetime health care policies, uh, one from the county and one from the federal government. And they make her buy another unlimited health care policy on her car. She's already got two. My grandfather, he's got two already. He served in Vietnam. He doesn't need another health care policy. He needs some liability insurance in case he drives through somebody's front, uh, you know, their front door of their house. But he doesn't need more health care. So I, I would say let, get, let, let's have drivers get some choices. Uh, and we've got to put a schedule in there. Uh, my thing I always say is if somebody hits me with a shovel on the house floor, 350 bucks for an MRI with work comp. I hit my head on the steering wheel. It's $4,500. So there's no cost containment measures. We need both of those. Um, 5013 House bill would have done that. I voted for it. 
Unfortunately, it failed. I'm going to keep working on it. Just dropped another bill that would put uh, that fee schedule and choices on the ballot for the voters if I can get 55 votes in the House and Senate. You think there's any chance anything might be done in lame duck session, or is it probably going to be something that won't come up again until uh, your second term, presuming you win on November 6th? If I have anything to say about it, it'll be coming up in lame duck. I'm going to keep working as hard as I can. Uh, it's the number one issue in my district, and we're going to keep working on it. Leave no stone unturned. What are some of the other bills um, and issues that you've been working on or you feel are really important going forward? Yeah, I've introduced 63 bills so far this session. Uh, that is public acts. I've been working as hard as I can trying to get some of these into law. One of my, my favorite ones was the first bill I introduced when I got elected was uh, House Bill 4106, and it allowed um, basically high school students had to go through 30 pages of government red tape to get an internship. I thought that was unbelievable. I slashed it down to three. Now they need a time card. The business has got to pay workers comp, and it makes it a lot easier for teachers to administer it as well because We've got a skilled trades gap, and we need to make sure that people can learn the skills they need to get a job right here in the Upper Peninsula. We've got plenty of them uh, in manufacturing and welding and everything else like that. So what other bills? Yeah. Um, I also thought it was really important. You know, the Michigan House, I don't get a pension. I get a 401K, and I found out that some of my teachers uh, that chose to get a 401K we're not getting a very generous one. So I introduced a bill that made it so they got the same 401k contributions as I do. I think uh, I think that's fair. Keep going. I know you got more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. Safety's a big deal. I found out that when student try attempts to shoot up a school or uh, attempts to do it, they can either be charged with a 20-year terrorism felony or a 90-day misdemeanor. So what usually happens is, they charge him with a terrorism felony and then plead down to the 90-day misdemeanor. Uh, I thought that those were too big of differences and that our law enforcement and police officers and prosecutors needed more tools. So we gave him a one-year and a 10-year felony based on the circumstances in addition to the 90 and the 20 years. Uh, and we're also going to make sure that if they do get put down to the 90-day misdemeanor, that uh, if it was anything to do with guns in schools, and uh, trying to commit anything like that, it's going to go on their criminal record. So uh, you say you've already had eight public acts signed into law by Governor Snyder. That's pretty impressive for a freshman. Well, I, I, I wish it was about 63, but I'll take eight so far. <laughs> so do you, do you plan to reintroduce just about every bill that you've put in so far? Because, of course, uh, and maybe a lot of listeners don't realize this, when the session ends uh, at the end of uh, December, uh, all these bills die if they haven't uh, gotten all the way through the system and been signed into law. And so you'd have to turn around and reintroduce them next year, right? Yeah, I don't think that there's any one of these bills uh, that I'm not proud that I introduced. Uh, I'd be happy to put my name on all these again. Uh, problem is I co-sponsored 240 bills, and some of those bills are no longer going to have sponsors when I come back in Lansing uh, next year so. I might have to introduce some of those as well. So we only get 15 bill requests in the first month of the year, and then I think it's five after that uh, because our lawyers are just, you know, there's there's only a finite number of them. So uh, I'm going to have to prioritize what we do when, but absolutely I'll be introducing a lot of these again. Well, that's interesting uh, for people to know. In other words, um, the legislature tries to impose a cap on itself in terms of uh, how many uh, 
bill requests you can make. Are you say 15 in the first month and five every month after that? I think that's right. Yeah. yeah so five times 11, 55, um, you know, so you'd, you'd have like not that many that you can actually, you know, like what, 70 or 80 in an entire year if you met the cap every month? Yeah. Also, I don't have any more bluebacks this term. Um, there's another um, restriction that goes on. Um, I think it went on in the first of this month, September. Uh, so I have no more bluebacks until after uh, this entire legislative session. Wow. I might have a couple sitting on my desk, but I can't request new ones. <laughs> Let me ask you about the economy in the UP and about your population up there. I mean, I, I think I read the other day, I may be wrong about this, that I, I think in the you know, last, uh, five or six years since the last census, um, 14 out of the 15 counties in the UP have lost population. And I think Aunt Noggin has just been hammered. They're not in your district, but they've lost, you know, a huge number of people. Um, is there a prospect for turning things around in terms of population, uh, growth, or at least stabilization in the upper peninsula and, uh, enhanced economic activity, which obviously would be important to keeping people in the UP. Yes, sir. It can be done, and it's going to get done. One of the big steps that we, one of the problems we had is all of our kids kept fleeing because they couldn't find a job. They'd go off to college, they'd get a degree in something, realize they couldn't use it back home, and they'd go to Chicago or Detroit. Uh, so that was my internship bill. Tell our high school students that they can get a job at Boss Snowplow making $18 an hour. And that's a heck of a lot cheaper to live in your hometown than it is Detroit or Chicago. Um, another thing we've got to get done is we've got to make it a lot easier to stay here and not uh, monetarily beneficial to move to Wisconsin. I can save them $1,000 a year with car insurance reform. The third thing we've got to do is we've got great natural resources up here in the Upper Peninsula. I'm talking about Copper Peak and Pine Mountain Ski Jump. Uh, we've got the Continental Cup at Pine Mountain every uh, year they do a tournament here. Uh, people come from all over the world to see it. But we need two million dollars in renovations to keep it. Over on the west end of the UP, we need fourteen million dollars, and I can have the uh, basically Olympics of ski flying here in the Upper Peninsula. Um, it would be a practice run, twenty-four hours a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. We're talking about people from China. Europe, Africa, all over the United States, North America, and South America, coming to the Upper Peninsula. Right at the corner, you can see Canada, Minnesota, Wisconsin, but you're in Michigan. Uh, if we get that done, we can get international tourists. It can be done. That's going to help the population. problem is I can't get a single Democrat vote to help me out. Cobo Hall's got $14 million, more money per year than they were ever promised from the legislature. And they won't earmark a nickel of it for the Upper Peninsula. Detroit's doing well. I'm glad they got a comeback. We need to come back up north. That's my tax dollars going to Cobo Hall. I want some of it back. Sounds like a great philosophy for a legislator running for re-election. <laughs> I think you've got the right <laughs> message. Uh, and it's kind of perplexing why there wouldn't be bipartisan support for helping out the UP in some of the subject areas you just mentioned. Look, I want to thank you, uh, Representative Bo Lefebvre of the 108th House District in the UP, Escanaba area, Iron Mountain, Kingsford, Menominee. Thank you so much for appearing on The Political Insider. We'll get you back. 
It's an honor, Bill. Thank you. <laughs>